following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Hello everyone, this is Pastor Alan Gilman from All Saints Lutheran Church with the message for January the 10th, 2021, which I have entitled Epiphany. Epiphany means manifestation. It's the coming into a tangible reality of some sort of truth that was not yet made known. And it marks the visit of the Magi, uh, traditionally referred to as the wise men, often the three wise men, though we don't know exactly how many actually came. It's the, so it commemorates the visit of the Magi to the baby Jesus. Um, and so this is the first time he is manifested to people of the nations because the Magi came from uh, outside of the land of Israel. Epiphany occurs on January the 6th, and it marks the formal end of the Christmas season. Eastern churches, like Eastern Orthodox churches that follow the older Julian calendar, observe Christmas Day on January 7th and Epiphany on January the 19th. Uh, Over the past several decades, churches that observe Epiphany do so the, the Sunday before the 6th, uh, so the, this, it's usually the Sunday after January the 1st. Um, but um, we're doing it this week instead of last week uh, because that's what we're doing. And I could blame COVID, but can't blame COVID for everything. So as, as I mentioned in my, in my Christmas sermon, which I entitled A Most Inconvenient Christmas that you can watch online, uh, the the dates of both of Christmas and Epiphany aren't even trying to uh, occur as an anniversary of when these things actually happen. Instead, these are traditional times to commemorate these events. They're not anniversaries. And the visit of the Magi actually could have occurred as late as two years after the birth of Jesus. Uh, we so the idea that sorry the idea that they came at the same time as the shepherds that that's most certainly did not happen but let's uh look at the passage i'm going to be focusing on matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 18 but i'm going to read the whole chapter chapter 2 which is verses 1 through 23 so here we go matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 23 Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, it actually says magi, from the east, came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen, 
when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted, because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose, and took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this occasion to take time to remember this important story. Would you please help me as I share some of the things that you've shown me as I've prepared? Help me to deliver this well. And most of all, may you take this attempt at seeking to explain your word and use it in all of our lives that you would fulfill what you want to do in our hearts and lives in these days. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's look at the passage. Starting at verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. So it sounds like this visit of the Magi occurs right away, but actually not necessarily. We're told that It's in the days of Herod the king, and this is a time marker to let us know when this is occurring, but also there's this this kind of sense of doo-doo, there's something, um, there's there's darkness afoot here, because Herod, uh, who uh, was a powerful ruler and really left his mark uh, on history, mainly in terms of the the building that he had done with the temple and, and other other architectural wonders that that he oversaw, uh, he was a very bad man. So we're told that in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, uh, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. As I mentioned, this traditional way of referring to the Magi as wise men isn't totally correct. Now they may have been wise. They were scholars. They were probably astronomers and astrologers. They may have been acquainted with uh, occultic magic arts. And so they certainly were not what we would call believers. We don't know what their understanding of the one true God was. It's likely that they had been influenced by the Jewish people that had lived in 
in Babylon, and then Babylon was overtaken by the Persians. It's very likely they were Persians uh, themselves to come a long way uh, to to see this child, this remarkable child. Um, and it it's likely their understanding of the importance of the child was influenced by people like Daniel. Not that they knew him personally, but Daniel and others having lived in uh, the land of Babylon, then Persia, because of the exile that had occurred hundreds of years before, that they were influenced by these these Jewish uh, people, and they might have been somewhat aware of the Hebrew scriptures, and had an understanding that a great king was to be born in the land of Israel around this time. Uh, them, we'll, um, we'll get into the star in, in a moment. And so they end up coming to Jerusalem, um, Jerusalem being the most important city in the region, the capital of Judea, and uh, they thought this would be the best place to go. And so notice that their science, their studies only took them so far and did not bring them to the exact place where they needed to go. As they come saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And it is pretty incredible that they would understand this much. You know, they uh, how they knew what they knew, precisely we don't actually know, but they knew enough to lead them to, to, this, to this place. Also in verse 2, For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And so again, they're, they're come on a right path. They know that it would be right to pay homage to this child. And so this story illustrates for us how other faiths and approaches to, to God and truth c- can lead people towards the truth, but it only leads them so far. So they were coming to pay homage, to pay great respect to this remarkable child. And so when Herod the king, who was ruling in Jerusalem, heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him, according to verse 3. Um, now, could you imagine, like, here's Herod the king living in this very difficult time um, under the, the occupation of the great power of Rome, and he hears that there's this child born king of the Jews. Herod had come to his place of of rulership through wheeling and dealing. And it was a very precarious situation between him and the Romans. And so now he's hearing someone is born king. Well, that's what would be very threatening to him. And, And Herod, like many rulers, was actually very insecure, which is why he built the fortresses. You've heard of Masada. Masada was only one of several great fortresses that Herod had built just in case he would be in danger. And uh, and so he was very troubled by the news of a child born king of the Jews. And his trouble meant the whole city would be troubled. Exactly what that looked like, we don't know. But again, when when leadership is troubled, we're seeing that with 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 COVID nineteen right now. Our our political leaders are troubled over this, and so uh, the result is trouble for the people. My impression is they don't really know exactly what to do with this with this threat. Neither did Herod. We're going to see what he does in in, in a moment, but. Uh, 
when leaders are threatened, it creates anxiety and a sense of insecurity for everyone whom they are seeking to rule. And so what Herod does, verse 4, And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born, where the Messiah was to be born. And, and those who are familiar with my teaching are aware that I like to remind people that Christ is a synonym for Messiah. They are the exact same word. There, the, Matthew is, we're reading Matthew in Greek. There's a tradition that Matthew originally wrote in Hebrew. In Hebrew, he would have written Mashiach, where we get the English, it's kind of English, Messiah. Uh, and then it's translated into Greek. The Greek for Mashiach is Christos, from where we get Christ in sort of English from. So Messiah, Christ, same word. So they, so he calls the, the chief priests and the scribes and he wants to know from them where exactly would the Messiah be born. And they told him in verse 5, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and they quote Micah chapter 5, where he writes, now we're at verse 6 of, of Matthew chapter 2, but in from Micah chapter 5, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And this is one of those very precise, I call them telescopic prophecies. Uh, Micah dates back to about the same time of Isaiah, the 600s BC, hundreds of years before this event, and, he, and God through Micah predicts that the Messiah, the great king, would be born in the town of Bethlehem, which is a suburb of Jerusalem still today. And so it took scripture to shed full light, and the star provided some light, but the full light was provided by the scripture. Whatever the Magi understood, they did not have full understanding of where to go until it was revealed to them in the scripture. We'll be talking about that more in a little while. Verse 7, excuse me, verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. It sounds like here that when he called the chief priests and scribes, the, the Bible scholars, to help him know where to tell the wise man to go, that they didn't know about the wise men, that he called them, uh, he had called them uh, secretly without telling them what was going on. And so then he calls the wise man secretly because he didn't want the news to get out. So he summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. For when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. All right, yeah, sure, Herod. And yet it seemed that the wise men had to be warned by God not to come back to tell Herod. And we'll get to that. So Herod tricked them into thinking that he was interested for noble reasons. Verse 9. After listening to the king, they, that is the Magi, went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So it sounds like this the star had maybe was no longer in the sky. By the time they got to the land of Israel, they couldn't see the star anymore. That might be one of the reasons why they went to Jerusalem to inquire further. Now they know exactly where to go from the scripture. They're back on their way and they see the star again. And they react, verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. 
this is strong language. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They were ecstatic that they're back on track. First part of verse 11. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. So they come in, they see the child that they had traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles, kilometers to get to. And when they see the child, they throw themselves on the floor as a sign of honoring this special child. Um, Could you imagine a scene like that? You know, very often throughout history, the some of the paintings you might see, there's this is very kind of somber kind of look. At least that's what it looks to me. And there's somber, this somber kind of facial expressions and this kind of like spiritual ecstasy sort of reaction. But there's actually a lot of emotion here from their being so excited to see the star again with exceedingly great joy to this scene and, and to ima- imagine. But we, we know the story. We know all about this. We know who Jesus is. Well, we're supposed to know who Jesus is. But Mary and Joseph, they're aware of somewhat what's going on. But you know, first the shepherds coming, and now these, these, these men from the foreigners from the east, and they're getting the gifts and, and all this thing. I wonder what their faces actually did look like. Um, so anyway, moving on. So the second half, verse 11. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, there's nothing in the text to tell us why the Magi offered these particular gifts. Um, there are hints, um, but they themselves certainly, most certainly wouldn't have been aware of these hints. So there's a a chapter in the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, that describes uh, certain elements of what became temple worship. Originally, it was called the, the tabernacle. Uh, but the gold and many, uh, sorry, many of the temple furnishings were overlaid with gold. We read about this in Exodus 30 and other places. Then also frankincense was a key ingredient for the incense used in the worship of God in the tabernacle and then the temple. And then myrrh was a key ingredient of the anointing oil. Anointing oil is a special kind of perfume that would be poured over the priests to set them apart for their service of God. And so these are three key ingredients in the worship of God and happen to be the three gifts that they brought. There's also an interesting connection to the what the with the Old Testament. Which, um, there's a concept derived in the Old Testament that became known by the time of the New Testament, hope that makes sense, called the age to come. And it was the expectation of when God would make all things new, restore everything, eradicate the world of, of evil and so on, establish his rule and reign over the creation. And that's all connected with the coming of the Messiah. We read a passage like that in verse Verses 5 and 6 of Isaiah 60. I'll read it here. Then you shall see, this is another prophecy from about 600 plus years before this. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. That is to uh, the people of Israel. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news 
the praises of the Lord. So the idea here is people from other nations, the non-Jewish nations, would come to the land of Israel bringing gold and frankincense. And then here we have these magi, people coming from far away with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So again, we don't know what the Magi understood. We don't know what Mary and Joseph understood. But these are interesting hints that uh, God is fulfilling his promises to the people of Israel and to the world. But certainly, they would all understand that these gifts were gifts fit for a king. And one element to this is that this child was born king. He didn't become king. He was already king. Now, his kingship would not be established for a while. And we're still waiting for the fullness of the manifestation, the epiphany of Jesus' reign. But he was born king. Now, now David wasn't born king, but it's kind of interesting how, how David was anointed king before he actually ruled as king. He had quite a journey between, and he was set apart by the prophet Samuel to become king. And the actual fulfillment of that and the, the manifestation, the epiphany of that much later on. Jesus would have a similar but different journey between his the fact that he was actually king and when the actuality of that kingship would be made known, manifested. Another practical or the most practical reason for these gifts, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, these were very pricey, costly uh, uh, items. And uh, it wouldn't be too long. We're going to see how Mary, Joseph, and the child would be on the run, escaping Herod's wrath by going to Egypt. And we don't know how long they were away. It would be a long time, possibly, before Joseph would be able to earn an income again. And it's likely that these very expensive gifts would provide for their needs while they were uh, refugees in Egypt. And uh, and so we see here how God does what God often does, and he provides for the needs of his people. Verse 12, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, this is the Magi, they departed to their own country by another way. God's hand is at work throughout this story. Uh, they didn't know that Herod was uh, had a dastardly deed up his sleeve, but God took care of the situation. Let's now skip down to verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. And so this is one of the reasons why we suspect that this um, coming of the Magi happened much after the events commemorated by the Christmas story. Uh, but the what we see here is, is what a horrible thing that Herod does to ensure uh, that he preserves his his reign. He actually goes and, and orders the killing of all the all the males. This reminds us of the the killing of the the male children by Pharaoh so many centuries before. <clears throat> that happens again here through Herod. Verse 17. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. And that's the, this, these words by Jeremiah are being fulfilled in this horrific way through the 
killing of these innocent children. Um, what a what a what a difference in reaction, right? We have the Magi, people from a foreign country, non-Israelites, paying homage to the child-born King, and then the true King, that not the, in the sense of the 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 current king of Israel, who should be working for the best interests of his people, he goes, his reaction to this news is to destroy all these children just to make sure that he preserves his personal status quo. Uh, it's, 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 it's horrible, but it's actually common in the sense when often when God's goodness is on the move, darkness uh, reacts very strongly, and we we mustn't be intimidated by that. So often, when things get darker, it's because God wants to shine His light, and it's it's up to us to decide whose side are we actually going to be on. But it means standing up to the darkness. So, what are the dark times we're living in right now? Um, and so, let's let's reflect a little bit before we close. First of all, let's remember that life without scripture can only take us so far. You know, God manifests himself through the creation. And there's many smart people out there and they teach some very good things. But without the word of God, we can only go so far. But notice too, that simply having the scriptures doesn't necessarily make a difference. So Herod was informed by scripture, but look where he, it led him. It led him to absolute destruction. Instead of calling him to the truth, instead he seeks to snuff out the light instead. And so just because we have the Bible in our possession, and just because we read the Bible, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to change our lives for good. In fact, we can end up twisting the Bible to our own ends, which many people have done. And, it, and I, I mentioned earlier that the, the chief priests and scribes who provided the, the prophecy to Herod, they also they didn't know what was going on. They were left in the dark. But perhaps they should have asked Herod, why do you want to know? Why all of a sudden you're interested in knowing where the Messiah is going to be born. Are you just doing a Bible study? Or is there something else going on? And and maybe they saw the entourage of the, of the Magi. Pro, there's a real good possibility that their arrival would, would create a lot of curiosity on the, on the part of the people. But maybe they thought, better not to know. You know, the, the less we... we we inquire the better because we don't know where that's going to lead us. And that, there's that whole thing. I've mentioned this before in, in other talks. And it's so important in the, in the day we're in right now that our tendency is we want to keep things the way they are. You know, back when COVID restrictions started in, in March, um, about 300 days ago, um, we thought it would be over soon. It wouldn't be that long. But this thing is going on much longer than we thought. And we don't know how much longer it's going to be. Our, the, the idea that let's just wait it out until things get back to normal, there may not be um, uh, an, an old normal that we're getting back to. There's We don't even know what the new normal is going to be. We're going to be struggling this for a while. So what are we going to do about that? What is God saying right now in our situation? What is he calling us to do? We need to inquire of him. We need to inquire of the scriptures and see what God is saying to us in our day right now in order to make the difference that he wants. 
You know, he wants us to be, and I don't have the reference in front of me, but from the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the Philippians, that we should be, we should be bright stars amidst the darkness. And the darker it gets, gives us more opportunity to shine. And so, um, if we're going to re-experience the epiphany of the Magi, it means not only are we going to come to grips that the, the one who was born king has come, we need to respond accordingly, which means we need to take action. May God give us wisdom as to what that action should be. And so let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you have sent your Son into the world. The King has come. Help us, Lord, like the Magi, to pay homage to him, to offer our gifts to him. More than that, Lord, may we respond to him according to who he really is. Help us, Father, to hear your voice today and to obey what you're calling us to do in these confusing times. In Jesus' name, amen. Please, if you have any comments or questions, email me at pastor at allsaintslutheran.ca. Hopefully, I'll be able to see many of you again soon. But until then, let's seek God together and hear his voice and obey him. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca. Thank you.